Hey gang, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodling Company. It's a podcast about music and Web3 trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm McKeegan Voice. Today I spoke with Dave Curry, also known as Black Dave, who's a musician, producer, rapper, visual artist, anime, and streetwear aficionado, as well as a Web3 pioneer who continues to push the bounds of what artists can do in that still nascent sandbox of music meets the blockchain. One of Curry's latest experiments was launching the Black Dave token, which is an investment in his ideas, and is very explicit that it's not a guarantee and there's no financial return. It's about ideas, which is a refreshingly honest take in what's becoming a very financialized approach to music in Web3. We talked about all of this and more, grounding the conversation in some simple gratitude for life that's all about, to quote the great William Devon, just being thankful for what you got. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation. Here we go. Hey, Dave, great to have you here. Hey, man, how are you? <laughs> I'm hanging in, I'm hanging in. How you doing? Um, I like to say uh, every day alive is a blessing, so I'm good. Good, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Might as well wake up in the morning and be grateful that we woke up at all. Yeah, it's crazy, because like, one thing that I do, or one thing that I say, I don't do it every day, but sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh shit, like, not only did I wake up, but I'm in a bed. Not only did I wake up, but I have like heating and air. Not only did I wake up, but my body parts work. Like, not only did I wake up, but you know, it's kind of like, if you can do that and like set that as like the foundation of your day, sometimes like your days just starts off way more sick. Cause like, after I wake up, the first thing I do is like play video games so, or watch mm-hmm. anime. And it's mm. like, imagine waking up and not having electricity or waking up and not having a PlayStation or whatever. So that's, totally. that's the vibe. I think that's a really healthy way to do it. Uh, you know, it's a good way not to take what we have, you know, for granted uh, from a small, uh, yeah, I do that kind of reverse. I do it before I go to bed sometimes, but I, I should do it in the morning. I'm just like, you know, anything that comes to mind, you know, that's around me, like, you know, thanks for this floor. Thanks for this cushion. Thanks for this chair. Thanks for this glass of water. You know, none of these things are guaranteed. So I'm happy that I have them, you know? Yeah, for sure. I'm not even like a super spiritual dude. I just like want to make sure that, you know, life is worth living. And sometimes you just got to recognize the small things. And I realize like those are a lot of the things, especially like uh, American stuff. It's just like. Oh, like all the things I take for granted are like the craziest things to people in certain places. So I should appreciate it. Absolutely. I think that's, um, that's a great mindset. And I feel like a good intention, you know, for the beginning you know, of this podcast episode. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm, I mean, with it. I'm grateful that you're here. Dude, I'm so pumped to chat with you again. So this is, this is like wonderful. Um, cool. Yeah, let's get Me it. Too. I always like to start you know, at the beginning and, and dive a bit into, you know, your background where you grew up and, and especially here about when your, your relationship, you know, began with music. Yeah. Um, so, um, I'm born Charleston, South Carolina. I kind of look like in a town, like, you know how like cities have towns, but if you're not from the state, then you just name the city. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm from a place, uh, technically, called Mount Pleasant, but um, is in Charleston. Hmm. And um, and I lived there until probably the middle of elementary school. I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, moved back to Charleston and did that a bunch of times. Um, and where I'm from is kind of like the, the rich part of town now. Um, I think back then it was like becoming that, but hmm. wasn't fully built out. So it was like where I lived, um, was just surrounded by trees like there weren't that many people around you knew everybody who lived there mm-hmm. stuff like that um and i i started playing music in high school um i was playing bass in like punk and hardcore bands um and and then i think once i graduated high school i got into music production started making beats um for like this hardcore band I was in, um, it was like electronic hardcore. It was like me and one of my friends and I would um I would produce like all the drums and um all the sounds and stuff and 
when the band first started, it was like me and this kid who played uh, piano. He like played jazz piano and he was sick. And so we would like make these like electronic, like jazzy rap songs. And mm-hmm. um, and then it became like a rock band after that. He like, I don't even remember what happened to my friend, but he <laughs> wasn't really in the band like that. And then I got with this kid who plays guitar and sings and I started doing screaming vocals for the band. And um, mm-hmm. and so then we did it like that. And, uh, and then after that, I think I'd like join more heavy bands um, gotten to rap music like formally, I think, or I started making rap music, I should say, formally, probably like 2013 ish. Um, I, I started DJing at the same time. So, like, um, my friends, we all had like clothing brands, we all had blogs, we all were, like doing that. And, and so, none of us knew how to DJ. And I learned how to DJ for one of my homies. And, and so, like, we started throwing parties. Um, when we started finding like more DJs, we like, we're throwing shows like for our clothing brands and stuff. And, um, and around that time I started rapping and producing as well. Um, and that was kind of like the inception of like black Dave, the rapper. Hmm. Um, but I was just making music for fun for a really long time. And, um, I would say like end of 2019, I, um, I quit my job. I worked at Marshall's like in the stock room. I like ran the stock room. I was pretty bad at it, but I was like a good (laughs) dude. And so like, they would, um, it's kind of one of those things where like everybody knew I was like so trash at like my job because it was like, um, it was like we would get trucks like five days a week. Mm. And then like during the Christmas holidays, we would get trucks seven days a week. And so mm. my job was pretty much like come in, like unload the truck and like organize everything to go out on the sales floor every day. That was my job. Mm. And uh, I was just so slow at it compared to everybody else. But um, but I knew how to do everything. But anyway, I quit. <laughs> um, and when I quit, it was like I'm quitting my job to like make it as a creative person. And mm-hmm. so, um, 2020 comes around, pandemic starts. Um, and at the end of 2019 and 2020, I said, okay, I'm gonna focus on the internet. I'm gonna try to be like someone who does it on the internet. And so I started making a ton of music. I opened up a beat store, like. I have beats for sale today. Mm-hmm. Like um, I was making like three song EPs every month. Um, and then at the end of that year, I discovered NFTs and um, and kind of since getting into that, I have been really focused on that. Um, and I haven't really been looking back since. So that's like the long version in short sentences. <laughs> cool. cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm curious to go back to that moment when the pandemic struck and you decided to embrace the internet as 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 you know this means this vehicle you know for your creativity what 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 was your introduction to web3 or nfts you know you know whatever it was that first thing that you saw that was like okay this this could be a vehicle for my creativity to you know build community earn money whatever it was um so my my nft story kind of starts like early 2020 um one of my friends was like really big into nifty gateway and he was like a trader on there he had a really sick job he still has a sick job but he has a different sick job now and um he was making so much money selling stuff on nifty gateway mm-hmm. and like buying and selling on nifty gateway and he was like dude you should get into this and i was like oh i don't make 3d art so i can't mm-hmm. and that was kind of the conversation but i was still like making music and stuff and I think when the end of the year rolled around, I had gotten on to Clubhouse, the the app, mm-hmm. and um, the reason was for music. Like um, at that time, Atlanta rap music ran Clubhouse, and so um, I was like, "Cool, let me go on here. Let me like try to meet some people, maybe play my music." Not even thinking like, what's so crazy about that time period and in that thought of like, "Oh, let me play my music," was like everybody who was on there was like looking for the next like big star mm. and like my music's like kind of niche you know like i'm a i haven't said it on this episode but like i'm a huge anime nerd mm. and like me coming from punk and hardcore before getting into rap that's infused in my music and so it's like i'll never make it in those like rooms where you're like playing music for all these people who are looking for people to sign or whatever it is they're doing mm. um a lot of them are lying and not signing anybody and actually <laughs> stealing your songs but like. Um, 
yeah, I got into that. But then I, I was also already into crypto. I bought crypto in 2017 for the first time, mm. um, me and my sisters. And, and so I found out about NFTs through like, you know, going to crypto rooms. And, um, and I minted like a cover art from one of my EPs that I didn't use. And, um, and then I think there was barely anyone. I would say I was like very first generation people talking about NFTs on Clubhouse. Mm. And then after that, there was like this big wave of people who came, I would say, um, you know, people time, the $70 million sale time. And um, I was already acclimated to it. And so I was like teaching people about it and doing a bunch of that. And then that my first music drop, I think is when I really saw the community aspect and how it could work for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't, um, I didn't like rush into NFTs. I was like minting stuff. but wasn't really telling anybody. I was like mm-hmm. posting about it, like, you know, open sea link on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And um and then once I dropped the first music collection, I had done like a, a clubhouse room about it. Um and like all these people showed up and it like sold out. And I was like, what? It's crazy. Cool. And I think um and it was like it was like a decent amount of things. It was like uh it was just like 25, 30 pieces. So it was like a decent size um collection and um yeah, I was I was super pumped, and I think from there I was like, oh, okay, I see how this can work. I think I I'd like gone to my mom, and I was like, mom, I made I made a thousand dollars today selling music, and she was like, what? <laughs> so that was kind of um, I think that was the first moment, and then from there I was like just trying to learn and like figure out how to um, like turn consumers into community, and then like mm-hmm. try to turn them back into consumers, and then turn them back into community. I feel like it's like a like you sort of go back and forth where it's like, okay, yeah. like when it's not time to buy, we're all homies, but when it's time to buy, you're all customers. Like <laughs> we flip that switch back and forth. And so yeah. it's been cool. Yeah. yeah. I like that flipping the on and off switch of the people. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's cool. I'm curious because, you know, ever since then, like you, you know, you've, you've been regarded, you know, as a pioneer in this space. And I think a lot of people have looked up to you and the way that you have experimented, you know, with this new technology and this new ecosystem um, when they think about, you know, what it means to be in this space. I'm curious, like, you know, as you were learning and spending time, you know, cultivating your own knowledge base of, you know, of this, like, what were some of the examples that, that you were looking at? Like, I mean, who were the people that were doing that? Like, what were the examples? What were you diving into? to really make sure that you understood like what, what it was you were building and feel confident in it. You know, what was interesting was, um, I feel like a lot of things that I do, like people weren't doing before I was doing, Mm. um, obviously like songs were coming out as NFTs. So I got something special, um, but like playing with unlockable content and stuff like that. Mm. I remember before I really realized that like, you, any song that's on like OpenSea or whatever, you can just download, you just got to find the link for it. Um, I was like putting download links in my unlockable content. Um, but one of the things that I think really helped me was on Clubhouse, like I was part of this crew and, um, all of the founders of every like project would want to talk to us. And so we, we would like have them in the Clubhouse room, like kind of as a guest Hmm. and then they would tell us about it. And then we would just fucking grill them and be Hmm. like, all right, so what chains it on? Is it centralized? Is it this? Is it that? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. How does it work? Like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Um, and, and so like hearing those ideas made me think a lot about how um, how I could like take versions of those and, and spin those my way. Like um, I'm a, I probably should get this out the way early because I'm sure I'll say it a bunch of times, but like, I'm like a huge virtual Ablo stand. Mm. So like, and I, and I, and I think like, I naturally follow a lot of the things that he was doing. Mm-hmm. And like one of the, one of the Virgil Abloh, let's call it teachings <laughs> is um, what he calls the 3% rule. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that if you change something by 3%, that's enough to make it yours. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would, I would look at all these examples of things and all these platforms and websites and ideas people had. And I'd be like, well, what, how do I spin this to make it mine? And, um, and so I would, I was just playing with stuff like that. So I remember at one point, you know, thinking about unlockable content and being like, well, maybe I'll do something besides the downloading to the song. And I did an NFT that was like, um, 
okay, if you own this NFT, the unlockable content's actually a link to a Google form. In the Google form, you can upload a song and I'll write a verse to it. Hmm. And, um, and I did that and everyone was like, what's so funny about that one? And this is kind of like a, a repeating thing that happens, I think, in my story, in my journey in Web3, is like the guy who uh, kicked off the auction for it, it was an auction, a one-of-one auction. He kicked it off and he was like, dude, this is the best fucking idea. Like, I'm gonna just kick this off and let it go. And no one else bid on it. <laughs> and it was just like, it was like, he was shocked. I was shocked. Like, because we both were like, yeah, this is a totally great idea. Everyone else was like, this is a great idea. Mm. Um, but no one bought into it. I don't know if it was confusing or, or, or early or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. there's this, um, there's this principle called uh, the Maya principle stands for most advanced yet acceptable and i i may have been like a little bit too advanced to be acceptable mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i'm still trying to like figure that out i think like when you think about how like um the iphone probably could have come out many years before it came out but people weren't ready for it right um or android phones or whatever because we kind of had like we had inklings of it right we had the palm pilot we had blackberries we had all this stuff that was like I don't know if we can actually do a smartphone the right. way that we do smartphones now. Right. And, um, and you had to wait until people were really ready to accept it. And so, you know, Apple was like, it's probably better if we do an iPod, you know, with no phone functionality, no internet. People are like, so I'm just going to carry the internet in my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, like imagine like that wasn't that long ago. Like uh-huh. we were both alive for that. Yeah. And, um, and so it's like, just thinking about how to be as advanced as possible while being accepted. Um, I definitely struggle and still struggle with that. I, um, I've, I've done so many ideas um, around that, but I'll, I'll pause because I know I'm talking way too much. Not getting mm-hmm. your space. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. That's, that's the whole point. You know, we're here to hear, hear you talk and share your thoughts. So appreciate everything you have to say. I think that's, that's really interesting thinking about the Maya principle. Um, and you know, it reminds me, I mean, the first time that we connected, it was right after you had done, you know, that was, was in conversation with Adrian, um, who was the CEO at, at uh, Reveal for people who don't know who are listening. And, and that was right after you had done the split across, you know, like 154, you know, 154 you know, wallets. wallets. Yeah. 154 collectors, 159 wallets. Technically. 159 wallets. Okay. Sorry. Um, and, Technically, but 154 sounds great too. That's a huge fucking number. It, it is. It is. And you know, at the time that that made a lot of noise. I I don't know where that you know that release fits on you know like the my principal spectrum, but uh, you know it felt advanced, but but also in a way that resonated with people who understood you know how complicated, or, or I I think especially who understood like you know like the legacy music industry and how difficult it is mm-hmm. to. You, you know to share money with with yeah. other people like splits are a thing there too but it's like she's in almost impossible you know to do it in any kind of a succinct way and then you just you just did you just gave it to all of these people and and then at the end of the year and you know this is what i'd love to dive into a bit more you released the black dave token and you know would love to talk about you know before we dive into you know the mechanics of it and your hopes for it. I'm curious to talk a little bit about the things that that you know led you to create it. What culminated you know in that in yeah. that decision to make your own token? You know what's interesting. I think about so much of of Web three is like, and one thing about me too, and um, and we talked about it a bit early on is like how people see me as an OG. People mm-hmm. see me as a thought leader. People see me as all these things that aren't necessarily me as a musician and you know i was thinking like if i'm so fucking smart like just pay me to be smart you know like (laughs) if you guys think i have such cool ideas like let's let's do that then let's let's figure that out and so i initially was working on this idea that i'm still gonna do um i'm working on now called minutes and essentially minutes was like this nft project that um well i really want to be a platform but the idea for me right now is that it were these NFTs that you could mint them and then it would take you to a Calendly link that was behind a token gate, but you had to have it. And depending on which one you bought, depending on which tiers of the um, like Calendly meeting type was unlocked. 
And so I had like a one hour, two hour, 30 minute kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I was calling it minutes. So it's like, instead of calling a consultation um, or advising, it was just like, get minutes with me. And that mm-hmm. was the vibe. Talk about whatever, like, you know, and um, because I, I wasn't so much in the consultations. I'm still not really like I was doing way too much free talking <laughs> in my in my past. And so I was trying mm-hmm. to find ways to do that. And um, on the other side of that, I had, I guess, like what happened was Cooper Turley, um, who's like a huge investor, music NFT advocate, um, had started this thing called Coop Records, which was like his Web3 music tech investment like company vibe. And one aspect of it was this idea of um, investing in artists directly um, through what he was calling like an artist seed round, which mm-hmm. like you would evaluate an artist the same way you would evaluate a company when it went public. And then he would throw in um, an amount of money for like a percentage of the company, essentially percentage of sales, really. Um, his ideal thing that he was talking about at the time was like trade $50,000. Um, it's like, like 5% of whatever it is, you know? And he would help you with like your business structure and, you know, teach you all the things he knows about like navigating Web3 and then like the traditional music side as well. And he'd come into uh, this community that I'm in called Water and Music, which is like a music research DAO. I feel like I'm like having to name and explain like so many things, but I hope, it, hope everyone's keeping up. And so he'd come in, we were interviewing him about it and we were making jokes in the Discord, like, um, like i was like fuck it i'll just i'll just make a token and it's you know one usdc and there are two hundred fifty thousand of them and everyone was like oh when black dave token and like it became a joke kind of and then i had posted a, a meme on twitter that was like uh supposed to be like the first slide of a deck that said black dave token your money my ideas mm-hmm. and um and i was and i think the tweet said uh the deck is finished and um and then people were dming me like yo let me see the rest of the deck like i want to mm-hmm. you know i want to learn more about it and i was like oh it's a joke <laughs> <laughs> and then um once i realized that people were serious about investing in like me as like an individual and my ideas then i decided to like sort of spin um focusing on minutes and focus on black dave token which is actually like an nft not a fungible token and there are one million of them and uh and at the end of one million being minted, it's two hundred fifty ethereum um and so like it's kind of it started out as a play on that and um a play on coop records and that whole artist thing but um I've actually raised a few ethereum from it. I've had lots of cool conversations with people um yeah, but I'll pause there because I really just want to talk about why first, so the reason why I was like just thinking about people investing in my ideas and then like on the other side of that too, towards the end of the year, like right around the time Black Dave Token was coming out, um, there were like a handful of like surprisingly strong music drops that were happening. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, looking kind of behind the curtain and seeing that there were a lot of like back behind the scenes conversations, behind the scenes partnerships, behind the scenes this and that. And I was like, this isn't transparent at all. Like, and mm-hmm. I didn't like that. And so I thought that Black Dave Token was also a way for me to be transparent about who I'm partnering with. So mm-hmm. it's like, instead of like, you know, partnering with me and being like, yeah, I'll just send it to your wallet. I'm like, no, buy it in Black Dave Token so that everybody knows we're working together. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's kind of been one side of the energy as well, is like this transparency um, combined with people uh, really believing in me and my ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate that. Um... In, you know, in reading the language um, that you have in the website for the Black Dave token, it's it's you know very clear and explicit. Like this is not an investment. There's no return on this. This this is about ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're really honest, like in the FAQ about what what it is and what it isn't, which is you know really refreshing. I think you know for a lot of people, and this is still kind of the case, music NFTs and NFTs in general, you know, continue. You know, they're continues to be the case that their biggest utility is as kind of a speculative, you know, asset that, that, that you can hold that will accrue value over time. And, and the fact that you're just like, no, this is about ideas and investing in this, yeah. you know, in this community and doing it in a transparent way, I think, I think is really refreshing. Um, 
And then what I thought was really cool was you listed some of the ideas of, you know, how would the money raised through this be used? And, uh, you know, I'd love to talk about that. I, I'd love to talk about those ideas, but, be, you know, before we do that, just, you know, to riff on what you were talking about, having conversations with people, um, you know, having free conversations. I mean, at the end of the FAQ, one of the things that, that you do is offer, you know, your time, you know, to people who have additional questions about what this is. And I'm, and I'm curious, since you posted that, like how many people, you know, have signed up to have conversations with you and, and, you know, like how have, have those conversations been? So two people signed up with the link, mm. neither of them showed up, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I've had people DM me and then I've hopped on a mm. few calls. So, okay. um, recently I dropped a song with this DAO, this music collection DAO, more like music media DAO vibe, uh, called noise. and what happened was one of my biggest Black Dave token holders had hit up the DAO and said, hey, you guys should look into this. This is really interesting. He's a musician, blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up in a meeting with the DAO and I was explaining the token, explaining like, you know, they were kind of thinking about like, well, you know, how does, how does value come back to us? You know, like if I'm buying this, what does that mean for us? You know, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't want you to think that there's a secondary value of this token. I don't want you to think that there's utility attached to this token, mm-hmm. but um, I'm down to fuck with you, you know, and do some <laughs> stuff together and like, you know, work on some stuff or whatever. And that sort of turned into me dropping through them on sound a couple weeks ago. Um, I dropped a song with them. They did some editorial content. Um, super sick, super is like the best written piece about me so far. And, um, and I love that. And so, you know, one of the guys from the DAO is now one of my top 10 Black Dave token holders, you know? And um, and so it's cool because what happened is even on the call, he was like buying tokens on the call. But what happened was my bulk buy button had broken like right before the call. Hmm. Um, and so he was clicking one by one to buy them. He bought like 500 wow. and he was clicking one by one while I was like talking about the token to buy them. Super <laughs> sick, super cool. Like, I feel like this gives people an opportunity to really like uh, put their money where their mouths are. Mm. And, um, and I feel like too, I was talking about this earlier today, like so much of what we as music artists are selling in NFTs and as artists in general is like, especially up and coming artists is this belief that will be somebody, right? Like, mm. okay, cool. If you get in on this, when I'm Drake, this is going to be worth money. That's pretty much what everyone says, right? That's how everyone tries to sell their NFTs when they're an up-and-coming artist. Right. And so for me, I was thinking like, yeah, when I'm Drake, my NFTs will be worth a lot. But I'll never be Drake if I don't have the, the mental space to make good stuff. Mm. And so Black Dave Token really like lifted a bunch of, um, a bunch of that burden for me. And then um, I think a lot of the conversations have been like that. How do you, how can this drive value back? I had, um, I have a drop coming soon um, with, with this platform called MetaLabel. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. It's not like set in stone, but here we are talking about things that aren't set in stone. (laughs) Um, And one of the founders is the co-founder of Kickstarter. He started Kickstarter. And so, um, you know, we're talking, he's like, you know, I love the idea of Black Dave tokens. I really want to have a call with you. And it's like, looking at how that provided me with opportunities to talk to people that I may have never talked to mm-hmm. has been really interesting. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. And then we could talk about some of the ideas because some of them are cool. Um, and if people build them who aren't me, I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> so <laughs> Cool. Um, yeah, no, that's amazing. I, and I appreciate that, you know, that perspective that, you know, kind of regardless of, of what comes from it, it was, you know, something that you put out into the world that, that introduced you to, you know, other interesting people that, you know, turned into opportunities, which is great. And, and, and I, you know, I, I also really appreciate just the fact that they're, you know, how straightforward you are about like, there, there might not be utility or like, you know, returns on this. And when you, I mean, when you think about buying a CD, it's not like people are going to buy CDs because they think someday that CD is going to be worth you know, whatever, more money than it is at the time you buy, you buy because like you're a fan of the music and you want to, you, you want to identify with it. So like, I think working, 
you know, beginning to work against that narrative that music has to have utility instead of like music already is utility. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's tricky. And like, I think, you know, I think a lot about how like people like when does, when does the use of an NFT end, right? Like if I buy a ticket to a concert, the ticket's value is only as long as the concert. Hmm. And, and like, when does the value of an NFT, like when is that allowed to end? Hmm. we are like super caught up in like this idea that everything we do has to like be on forever. Right. Like right. if I started a project and, and, and I built a community or whatever, and then I was like, cool, looks like we did everything that's on this list. Let's wrap it up. People would be like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, no. And so, um, think about that for like other things, other media, other content, other types of assets, I think is really interesting. Like, like, sometimes something ending is is as valuable as like the thing itself like sometimes um it's kind of like um quitting at your peak right um or like or like saying like yeah mission accomplished and like going home you know i think that uh that's really interesting and, and has an opportunity to be special and really creates this like you had to be there kind of vibe because you don't you don't want your project to run forever or your song to run forever and and then people get there and they're like well, why does anyone even like this why did anyone like this mm -hmm. and what's going to end up happening is you, someone in the community is going to go oh you had to be there when it was you know when it was good you right. know and it's like why don't i just stop it when it's good right. like why don't i just stop it when it's over like you know shut down the servers you know <laughs> just like end it and yeah. so um i don't that's not what i'm doing <laughs> or planning on doing but it's just an interesting thought that we have to keep going forever with this media and this content when sometimes it, it should end totally uh yeah that's you know that's a great thought it, it's yeah the thought that it brings to mind is thinking about like you know if if we like no one became a bob dylan fan yesterday because you know they saw him play as like an 80 year old dude you know it's like they they you know bob dylan has, has been an icon in the music industry that became famous when he was really good writing you know incredible shit and going around the earth doing that and i've always had this fascination with you know how we lionize you know musicians who die in their prime like you know people like kurt cobain because we only knew them at their peak and that's what we're left with it's like that's yep. that's the image and it you know, sort of speaks it's to like uh like saying tupac and biggie are like the best rappers of all time and yeah, they yeah. both only put out like two projects you know yeah. so you're like you're gonna base like of all time on two bodies of work. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally, totally same thing. Yeah, it's insane. And we had, they were, it's also insane to me, like how, like how much cultural cachet those two, you know, were able to build, and they, you know, died when they were what twenty three, twenty four years old. It's yeah, wild. so crazy. But but anyways, getting back to token, uh, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and, and and some of your ideas with it, I I, you know. I wanted to talk about some of the ideas you have, you know, around curation. If you're if you're down to explore, because you mentioned yeah. that as one of the topics. Yeah. Idea. So, I uh, I'm actually this is one of the ideas I think is I'm going to work on the soonest is around curation, but um, maybe I'll talk about it a little bit more broadly and then talk about like this specific idea that I want to make. So like when I look at like curation, especially like. Um, around music and art, um, I think about it sort of in three different ways. Um, I think that there's like a a public curation um, where like everyone sort of has an opinion, and then I think there's like an individual curation where like one person's opinion is pretty much the platform. If you think about something like uh, like someone who reviews albums on YouTube, like Needle Drop or something, right? Then he's that. And then I think the next tier up is kind of like this group curation. Um, I think a lot about like blogs and stuff like that, where it's like a group of people who we say have taste are the ones who um, who make these decisions. Mm -hmm. And then on that public side, I think a lot about like uh, like like Amazon reviews, right? It's like mm -hmm. anybody can write a review for this. And I think that like these three layers, sort of all working in tandem, creates this like efficient curation system. Mm -hmm. um, so the thing that I'm looking to build, I think first um is the public side i feel like building the uh individual and like uh 
let's say like collective based side is like you can do that right now but there aren't a lot of, a lot of ways to publicly talk about what you like and dislike um whether that's like you know going to uh, a collection let's say you want to go to one of my songs on sound and say oh yeah i like this song five star or mm. oh yeah i like this song but why does he scream three stars or mm. oh this song is actually terrible one star mm-hmm. and and everyone can do that and then you can go to this you can go to this website and look up an nft and see what people say about it and um and like whether that's through comments or that's through ratings and so i'm pretty much building um what i i say yelp for nfts um where like the public can go to these collections go to these individual works and say like i love this work uh mm-hmm. this is not their strongest work this is their strongest work um this is a copycat of so and so this mm-hmm. is not unique at all this is super unique this is underappreciated and allow the people to decide um i think that that's going to be like a really interesting thing um especially if i can build up the network effects for it where everyone wants to use it and then i think what happens is it actually creates an opportunity to feed back into the other two tiers where if someone is like a huge reviewer um on whatever i decide to call this site um and people trust them then people will just go to their profile anyway and be like what are they looking at what are they into you know like if if let's say let's use needle drop again right if needle drop starts reviewing music nfts on this site and talks about the song and does that then people will go to it and be like well what did needle drop say about it did needle drop review it if needle drop didn't review it review it then is it even worth talking about kind of right. thing right. i think that's really interesting and then and then like even if you look at like these groups of people and say um there was this youtube channel i used to follow called dead end hip-hop um and when you looked at them they would all pretty much sit at a table and talk about an album it was like eight of them and they would all sit there and talk about an album and so it'd be like well what did they say about it and then mm-hmm. and like a lot of times you have like your favorite person at the table and you'd be like oh yeah i trust them or you'd have like two people at the table you know and be like yeah i like what they say pretty often we listen to the same type of music we have the same type of feelings mm-hmm. but they're a collective and so what might end up happening is a group of people who feel similarly or review similar things might be like, yeah, let's start a podcast, let's start a YouTube channel, let's start a whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, and then that might form up. So for me, I think that this might be the, uh, the base layer of way more interesting, way more curated, way more niche uh, curation to pop off in Web3. Totally. Um, yeah, I think music you know, in general has what's happened, you know, during web two is, you know, a lot of the context has been abstracted away from, you know, the music itself, you know, as well as the social layer of, you know, how people actually interact with this music and, you know, how people connect around it. So I think it makes sense to use web three, which is very community driven and oriented around that context to, you know, establish that layer on, on top of it. Do you have notions of how, you know, of how you'll aggregate that or how it will exist like will it be you know kind of like an ooh la la which is like a music aggregator um in which you'll be layering on top of something like that so it's you know more like a plugin or is it going to be like a standalone place that is a bit more more akin to a blog or something the idea is a standalone place not akin to a blog more akin to uh something like ooh la la or OpenSea, mm-hmm. um where it's not so much about buying nfts but it's about talking about nfts Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, with all of the data being public in the metadata, I'm able to pull and create like, a like an aggregation of NFTs just through that. And then allowing people to connect their wallets as the, as the sign on is a way to, you know, really verify that the person who made the review is the person. And then I think too, like looking at that and being able to cross-reference that information and say, this person owns this, this person doesn't own it or whatever because then i think you know something that's really interesting about the blockchain is you can really use that data to try to suss out like the motivations of why someone's doing something so it's like oh of course this guy gave it a five he owns one (laughs) or um or this guy doesn't own one but still gave it a five and that's crazy or this wallet doesn't own any nfts all they do is talk about them Mm. is is of value as well and so um, 
I think when you use the blockchain in all the ways that you can, when you're talking about pulling metadata from specific NFTs and then pulling wallet information and cross-referencing it to the token address of the NFTs that they're talking about, you're able to see what their investment is. Because even if it's like, even if it's like, okay, this person did own it, but sold it. This person has owned it since mint. This person never owned it. This person, you know, like you can really put data together around like the reviewer as it relates to the thing. I think like when, when I was talking about Black Dave token, uh, like in general, and I was talking about transparency, mm-hmm. the blockchain enables a lot of it if you can find a way to create it. Totally. And so for me, it's uh, it's really about trying to find uh, the best way to create context around the review itself and the work itself, mm-hmm. and then create context about around the person reviewing it um, and understanding that every reviewer is different and has different motivations. Yeah, totally. It's in, yeah, that's a really interesting mechanic. It's you know, it makes it much more difficult to hide behind whatever you're writing. It's like people can literally see how or if you have connected with this with this music. I mean, I also really like it because like one of the points you know of frustration for that I have had as a music journalist is is, is that so much of the conversation you know around Web three music is about you know is about the mechanics of how people are using the NFTs. And not that much time is be given to the music itself. It's like what, what are people creating? What is this music is like? Like what is the analog in the Web two world? Like people are, are making music. Let's talk about what that, what that is, what it looks like. Yeah. You know, and I think so far has felt like you know has been missing from the space. Yeah, you know what's interesting too about that thinking about like the use case of NFTs. And I'm I'm a I'm a big utility guy in general, but like. Um, when I was thinking about the whole review system, I was thinking about that. Like, okay, cool. Should should I like sort of categorize it and be like, um, you know, uh, out of five, what do you think about the utility? Out of five, what do you think about the work itself? Out of five, what do you think about the, you know the value? Blah blah blah. Like as or just do like a straight up like rating and allow people to talk about it more broadly. Um, I don't have an answer for that yet, but just thinking about that is uh, is so true. Like. Uh, because do I do I want it to be strictly about the art, or do you believe that NFTs are a marriage of art and technology, and mm-hmm. so it should be about the tech? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things I think that's going to end up happening along this journey is I'm going to have to take a stance on one side and say, no, this is about art, or I'm going to have to say this is about art and tech. So we do considered tech in our rating system Mm. um and maybe it's just utility right like maybe that's the only tech-based thing um and and so yeah i've just been trying to break down like the the way that we want the ratings to work in specific i think it's going to be something that um grows through experience and um hopefully i can get it right as early as possible yeah that's always the hope (laughs) yeah Um, i don't know if it's that easy but (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you could always hope. I mean, hope yeah, isn't easy. Exactly. Just, just hope. One idea that I'm, I just want to throw, just because like I'm, I'm pumped about this specific idea. Um, I wrote one of the things that I sort of mentioned is this idea around like publishing and um, like publishing like just regular content media. Um, so in Japan, like in the anime industry, the way that it normally starts is through a magazine. A weekly magazine um and what happens is you pretty much are an artist you come to this magazine say hey i want to submit to see if i can make it into the magazine uh they link you with an editor who then helps you sort of make it more palatable um and then you put it in and what happens is each week subscribers of the magazine vote on what they like the best and and pretty much like the ones that do well continue and the ones that don't sort of have to sunset and you know maybe move on to their next thing or whatever it might be mm-hmm. this idea that like um you can uh use the people as this metric for whether like a something published should continue or not is really sick um i think also like once you do that right once it becomes really popular inside of the magazine then you have an opportunity to create a standalone comic book you have an opportunity to create an anime, you have an opportunity to create figures, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one thing that's interesting, I think, or different about the uh, American 
comic book industry versus the manga industry is that we make the comics first. Hmm. And um, a lot of times the properties are owned by someone else. And hmm. with anime and manga, the writer owns the property. We're just the distributor of it. And hmm. so I've, I've been trying to think about the different ways that you can sort of create these subscription models around like publishing and content creation, content generation, and then take the content that you guys like and turn that into um, turn that into bigger media. Because I know, well, because it's a signal, I don't want to say I know, because it's a signal that uh, everyone supports it. And so um, that's like one of the ideas I'm really, really pumped about is like sort of 3%ing the, um, the publishing industry of Japan and seeing how I can turn it into a Web3 thing. <laughs> Nice. Three percenting the publishing industry of Japan. I love that. Uh, I mean, I mean, do you have a sense of how that would translate to to Web three? What a product might look like. You know, you know, is it music related? You know, how might that exist? So I'm thinking about it really from a from a comic standpoint, from a story mm -hmm. standpoint. Um, continuing down the path of things that are popular in Japan that aren't popular in America, um, there was this thing called uh, cell phone novels. And essentially, you would write like these hundred word chapters um, and you would write them like once a week or once, like whatever cadence you wanted. And you know, they were these evolving stories that people could sort of subscribe into and out of whenever. Hmm. And, um, and so thinking about like long form written content, long form drawn content, like comic books and novels, graphic novels, et cetera, really, I think, gives you the opportunity to um, play into that. I think on the music front, a little bit more tricky. Um, I would hate to like sort of lock people into this weekly magazine vibe, but I, I was talking to somebody about it recently and they were sort of into it. Like they were like, well, no, like I think you should curate some music, put it out in the magazine and then like allow people to vote on the songs they like the best and then like bring those people back and have them do another one. And then maybe if people love those artists, then that's a signal to the artist that it might be time for an album. That's a right. signal to the artist that it might be time for something else. I think what will end up happening there is that um you'll look at people who um who make money from music artists such as labels they'll be people who are reading the zine or listening to the zine and saying okay cool like there's an opportunity here for me to sign this person to a record deal so okay. let me go ahead and do that or there's an opportunity you know if you think about like like hype machine and how hype machine probably got a lot of artists signed or how soundcloud probably got a lot of artists signed mm -hmm. um then it, it would be like a similar vibe. Um, but I definitely initially was thinking about it through a comics lens. Um, I think there are a lot of people who want to tell stories visually who don't have the proper outlets for it. Um, and so that's what I was thinking. But once people started talking to me about like these other sorts of methods, maybe it's better to think about it as like maybe a protocol that other people can sort of build these niche uh, topics and genres around where um, that actually becomes that that middle curation layer, the collective curation layer, hmm. um, which it wasn't initially thought of as like a curatorial thing, but that's actually quite possible. I love that. Cool. I hope that happens too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have so many ideas, dude. Like that's, <laughs> but it's like with Black Dave Token, it's like I wouldn't have been able to just think and like write and like you know open up a Notion doc and like you know, just have like little conversations with people if I had yeah. to clock into work every day, right? And right. if I, or if I had to chase selling NFTs because, you know, selling NFTs is really a rat race, right? Like yeah. you're, you're running, 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 trying to sell, sell, sell. But I've been able to use some of the Black Dave token funds to just chill out a little bit and say, I don't need to mint an NFT right now. I don't need to chase a sale right now. I can think about things outside of a song. Yeah. And, um, and so that's been so exciting for me. Yeah, totally. I was uh, chatting with somebody. Actually, actually, no, it was part of the Water and Music Academy thing on Global Music Rights. Um, you know, someone was saying that you know Web three is kind of building within the creator economy when you think about music NFTs and and, and such. And you have to be really careful not to you know create the gig economy and, and that kind of at you know at its worst, that's kind of what what happens. Then artists you know can't be can't really be artists anymore. You know, they yep. they are they are just they have to churn out content for, you know, for people. And so, yeah, the fact that you can do that is, you, you, you know, you're kind of living the dream of what, what Web3 can potentially 
Yeah, for sure. And it's it's like um, I didn't even think about it like that. Where like you're really, a lot of us are pretty much just like the gig economy, where we're like, you know, the next sale is is the next bill pay. You know, the right. next drop is the next rent. You know, like, and so um, yeah, I'm I'm super, you know, grateful. Like we were saying at the beginning, mm. I'm super. Uh, like I just to be able to do this is is so like such a moment and so much of what I um, aspire to be is somebody who can like um, help push people who have ideas to the front, you know, like um, the same way that the Black Dave Token site says this is about ideas. Something that I say a lot is I just want good ideas to win, which right. is why I, I've spent so much time talking to people for free, which hmm. is why I've spent so much time like telling people what I was thinking when I did stuff or talking mm -hmm. about ideas like we are now, like mm -hmm. is because I don't care who makes the idea as long as the idea is good. Right. And if the good ideas can win, then hopefully the world becomes a better place. Um, hopefully people remember that I'm the one who helped them with mm -hmm. the idea and I can get some sort of benefit from it. But even if not, I think good ideas entering the world allows better ideas to continue to enter the world. So I'm cool either way. Totally. No, that's. It's a really kind, altruistic way to think about your ideas, you know, very, you know, <laughs> into the public domain and then see what happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope more people ascribe to that, you know, to that methodology. Um, and I wanted to also, you know, chat with you because I know last time we, we talked, you had this, you know, really great line of, of going from open C to MSG um, with a, with that uh, meaning Madison Square Garden, for those who don't know. Um, and we talked about how, you know, a lot of Web3 artists, you know, have aspirations that don't really extend, you know, outside of the internet. And yeah, and you do have aspirations that extend, you know, to physical spaces and, and to performance. And, uh, you know, that that's was kind of summed up in an aspiration to, to you know, one day play MSG. And I just you know, wanted to talk about that and check in. How's that going? Because yeah. <laughs> that's still part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, totally. I um, I, I tell people all the time, like, you know, I I reference Virgin a lot. It would be amazing to have you know that level of influence. I think over how people think about things. Um, for me, I really want to inspire people, and I think that part of being massively inspiration is being massively inspirational is being massively known. You know, um, a lot of people, especially like in the black community, we don't listen to people who aren't successful. You know, like if, mm. if you're black and you have great ideas, unless you're successful, no one cares. Mm. And, and so I think that, you know, there's something to be sort of noticed about how a lot of artists, a lot of our favorite artists um, are the same person they always were. They're preaching the same things they always have. The music has always been similar to how it's always been. And what essentially happens is they became well-known and then people started taking it seriously. And so I understand that and I'm totally cool with that. And I would love to go to fashion shows and fashion week and <laughs> play Madison Square Garden and Coachella and stuff like that. Um, because I think really at the end of the day, for me, it's about insp inspiring people. It's mm -hmm. about um, not what's so funny is like, I don't think that I make particularly emotional or connecting music. I, I just love like energy, like good energy in the music. I'm really into like sonics instead of like lyrics, mm -hmm. um, which I think a lot of old head rap people hate because they're like, you know, I'm not saying anything. I'm like, I don't even care. Like, you know, <laughs> and so, um, but for me, it's, it's, um, it's really about inspiring people. And that's why I think I'm so focused on trying to be somebody who does more than just make music is because I want people to realize they can do more than the one thing they want to do. Uh, I want people to realize that like, if they're like, a weirdo who's into anime which anime is cool ish now but it wasn't cool when i got into it mm -hmm. or if you're a weirdo who is black and loves heavy rock music which was weird but is less weird now if you're like into whatever these things are skateboarding you know a lot of the things that weren't cool when i was younger are cool now but mm -hmm. um i just want to continue that story so that all the people who inspired me kid cuddy pharrell you know kanye like uh, Lupe Fiasco, et cetera, et cetera. Like, um, all of them were at a time weird. 
Um, and so I really want to be like, look, like continue being who you want, continue doing whatever you want, continue to lean in on the weird things about you and you can win. Um, and I feel like we can only name those people because they're successful, but a lot of us don't have somebody like that in our neighborhoods that we can look up to, especially mm -hmm. like me living in Charleston, South Carolina. It's like, you don't have a lot of kids like that. I remember, uh, when I lived in Florida, my senior year of high school, I used to skate to school and, um, I was the only black kid who skated and everyone would like uh like rap like bay area raps to me i was wearing skinny jeans i was like you know like i was just living my life but it was like all those things weren't things that were stereotypically black at the time mm. and um and it's like if you continue to do that what ends up happening is like you know four years later a kid dms you on facebook like yo dude i saw you skating and you didn't care what people thought about you and it inspired me to blah 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 that's really what it's about for me and um the the bigger stage I have to put that on, um, the happier I am. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's really beautiful, and seems like you know a good thing to end on. Honestly, uh, and I, uh, yeah, I mean, let's just leave that there. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I've one. I do have one more question for you, and it's one I ask everybody. And this will be kind of an in, interesting experiment for this question. Um, because I've asked you before and you've answered before. Um, if you're going to a desert island, you get to bring three albums with you. What are they? I want to see if they're the same as what you said before. Uh, Thursday, Full Collapse. Uh, Charles Gambino, Because the Internet. Um, I think the third one might be uh, Wu-Tang Forever. I know it's a double disc, so I'll take disc two in specific if I have to pick one. Nice, nice. You can take both. <laughs> um cool two of them two of them were the same you you also you also had the changing of times by under oath the first time i oh asked classic <laughs> oh that's a classic yeah. no, you know what it is i i um i've been watching the wu-tang tv show on hulu nice. and so i've been so into wu-tang lately um oh god changing of times classic wait, there's wait. so many classics but uh, yeah that's that's the point and that's you know that's why I felt like, you know, an interesting experiment because it's it's one of those impossible questions that's more of, you know, speaks to the moment of like what you're imbibing right now than like, you, sure. you know, it's, you know, you can't pick just three albums. Um, yeah, it's, I, I would need like probably, I think if I took seven, I might be able to pick the same albums every time. Okay. I know, I know that feels crazy, but yeah, I think seven might be my number. Okay, what would the other three be if we include the Under Oath and the Wu-Tang? So if it's the Under Oath, the Wu-Tang, Childish Gambino, Thursday, um, what would it be? I just feel like I, I could get to it. The first ASAP Rocky tape, uh, mm -hmm. what's that, Live Love ASAP? I love that album so much. Like I, ASAP Rocky is one of my favorite people, and um, he, I don't even love his music past that album. I just love him so much. Um, and I think um, 808s and Heartbreaks by Kanye West mm. um, is one of my absolute favorite albums. Um, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, something, something about it. I think, like, I think it was like a timing thing. Um, yeah. I'd probably go with um, Daft Punk. Um, oh, God, what's the name of the album? Uh, the, the latest one that has like the couple of Pharrell records on it. Why can't I think oh, of it? Oh, yeah. Random um, access memories, so yeah. good. And what's crazy is I love Daft Punk like as a dance duo, but that mm -hmm. album I remember like I was riding my bike when that album came out, and I think like the second or third song started, and I just like stopped, <laughs> and I like just like stood there and like restarted the song. And I was just like, dude, like I can't focus on trying not to fall right now. Like I need to like take this in. Um, yeah, that's funny. I had a similar. Yeah, that happened to me with that album too. It was just a couple songs. Yeah. Jesus, wow. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, I think because we weren't expecting it. Um, yeah. And, and I think what happened too was that came off the back of the Tron Legacy soundtrack, mm, which right is now. also amazing, mm. uh, but was so different. Right. And, um, and it almost makes you wonder if Daft Punk had stayed together, what their next electronic album would sound like. Yeah. Because, like I'm gonna listen to the Tron Legacy soundtrack as soon as we hang up, <laughs> but like um, I just remember the sounds on that being so much more advanced than the sounds on their older music. Mm -hmm. um, 
Oh God, that's such a good album. That can't make my list though. You know what album might make my list, and mm. and this is a this is a problem because this one might change. Um, the Memoirs of a Geisha soundtrack um, is one of my favorite movie soundtracks. One of my favorite movies. Okay. Um, uh, Yo Yo Ma plays like all through it, like the cellist. Okay. Um, such a sick like. Oh, cool! Done by know, John I, Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. super good, super good. And and what's uh, you know, John Williams, of course, has like a sound, um, mm-hmm. but this one, I think, um, especially when I relate it to the movie, um, just so good. So if you have if you have the time, personally, um, I might listen to both of those soundtracks honestly after this. So I think, yeah, I, yeah. that's that's one of the reasons I asked this question, so I can listen to you know to great music. So I I, I do have the time. I will listen to this also right after this. So Amazing. listen together. Um, yeah, cool, man. Well, thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate your time. You know, for people listening, what's the best place, you know, for them to follow along with what you're doing and uh, to get involved? I'm um, at Black Dave on Twitter. Head to blackdave.xyz in your browser to find all the other links and some of the music too. Cool. Awesome. So go get involved, everyone listening. And yeah, thank you so much, Dave, for being here. Really appreciate your time, you know, and, uh, you know, just to circle all the way back, I, you know, I'm really grateful that we were able to connect. Oh, man, this is amazing. Thank you for having me. All right, that's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web3 music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media. And you can visit us at decentral.io and remember, only you can prevent and fend off Big Brother. <laughs>